So it doesn't appear like we have very many kids here this morning. I know I gave mine permission to stay home this morning and enjoy their, their gifts since they did a good job behaving last night. They uh, sort of thought they deserved that or earned it somehow. But anyway, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Nonetheless, I need to go through some of my kids' sermon here um, just to build up to the adult portion of this. So have you ever gotten a Christmas gift that was strange? Now, I don't mean like socks and underwear strange. I mean really strange, right? Um, You know, and by the way, uh, when you get that, it kind of jars in your mind, you know, what does the gift that I got either say about me or say about the person giving the gift to me and what they believe about me, right? Uh, The Bible tells a story about wise men who came from the East to visit Jesus. Now, contrary to our beautiful nativity scene right in front of me here, Jesus was probably not a baby any longer when this happened. Matthew calls him a paidai, which is where we get the word actually pediatrician and other words like that in English. Paidaya roughly translates to English as toddler. Um, so Jesus was probably a year or two old when, when the wise men appeared. Um, and they brought Jesus, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're all familiar with that. But don't these seem like kind of odd gifts to bring to a toddler? I mean... Toddlers don't really appreciate money or incense or medicine, do they? I mean, I guess when I was younger, I always imagined that, well, you know, my generation had better toys than my dad's generation, and the current one has better toys yet. Maybe if we rewind this 2,000 years ago, gold and frankincense and myrrh was maybe as good as it got or something like that, right? But... Um, Actually, I want to delve into that a little bit deeper. But the other thing I wanted to talk about too for a second is who were these fellas? Um, The Greek word for them is magi. And actually, we get a couple English words out of that one too, like magic or magistrate. Um, You see, the magi were sort of like astronomer, priest, government authority rolled into one job. And actually, we knew fairly little about them until the last 50 or 60 years, believe it or not. Um, Their role was kind of lost in translation um, and then lost down through time. But over the last 50 to 60 years, we've been able to read the cuneiform tablets that these guys produced. They actually left a 2,000-year record of astronomical observation. It's probably the longest science experiment in human history, and it was complete a thousand years before Jesus was born. So it goes back. Um, But anyway, we're all familiar with the story in Matthew, and I envision it kind of unfolded like this. The first wise man came and delivered gold, and the second one came and gave frankincense, Mary was about to close the door and the third guy pushed it open and said, but wait, there's myrrh. So, 
All right, it's kind of a dad joke, I'm sorry. But <laughs> it turns out that the Magi only appear in Matthew. The other gospel writers don't mention this story at all. And critics of the church have claimed that Matthew embellished the story. The Magi, they say, were legendary and intended to fill the prophecy that we heard from Psalm 72, or also its corollary in Isaiah 49, that everyone, every king on earth would recognize Israel as the light of the world. However, as far as legends go, this one seems to me to be pretty weak as a legend. In other words, if Matthew intended to embellish a story, he would have placed more than well, we don't know for sure how many were there, but it doesn't say that there were a multitude there. Um, it, it seems to indicate maybe three people, or at least only three gifts. That doesn't seem to me to portray the kings of the earth realizing that the Israel is the light of the world or that the light of the world is dawned in Israel in any event. But it's interesting it seems now that the Magi story gives us some, some interesting clues as to the actual dates of Jesus. You see, having studied the sky, these guys were extremely accurate astronomers. And of course, we read in Genesis that you know the, the lights in the sky, the moon and the stars are for marking time. Um, it turns out that if we knew what they saw, and I think that we, we have good reason to believe we do, actually, I believe that we could actually truly pinpoint a date on the, the Magi's visit. But the message I have today has to do with their gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, were odd gifts for a toddler even 2,000 years ago. And I believe they illuminate the different aspects of Christ's identity, much as the song we sang, Star of Wonder, We Three Kings, right? You know, it, it didn't dawn on me really earlier on to study the lyrics of that song so closely. When we think of gold, of course, we think of its historic role as money, for 5,000 years, gold hasn't lost value. It's still, it's never fallen out of favor. Um, interestingly, the money of the coin of the realm at the time of Jesus' birth, the Roman denarius was a silver coin with the image of Augustus on one side and the inscription around his head, Augustus, son of God. Imagine that Jesus comes to make a competing claim. But on a deeper level, gold is symbolic of kingship. The Magi weren't delivering earthly wealth. They recognized the Christ child as 1 Timothy 6.15 calls him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they fell down in worship. Now, We've all had the experience with the overindulged child, but imagine for a moment someone bringing your toddler a golden crown or something along that line um, that seems a little over the top, actually. But, and actually, contrary to our modern thought on this, 
Matthew seems to be listing these items in their order of value, but not from greatest to least, but rather the other way around. Gold would have been the least valuable of the items the Magi brought. Secondly, the Christ child is presented with frankincense. Now, frankincense and myrrh are both resins that are developed from tree saps. From tree, the trees that produce these substances only grow natively on the Arabian Peninsula. Frankincense was burned in the temples of the ancient world as a fragrant offering to the gods, and even in the temple in Jerusalem as an offering to God in the way that the smoke of the incense raises to the heavens our prayers raised to God. In this way, frankincense is a gift for a God. And some would argue that bringing this gift affirms the deity of Jesus. Likewise, however, it could symbolize the role of high priest. By the way, what is the priest? The priest is the one who represents the people before God, oversees the sacrifice and the sacrificial meal, intercedes or prays on behalf of the people. And Hebrews 10 makes the point that Jesus is our high priest. He is a high priest familiar with our human condition, for he himself was the final sacrifice needed to make humanity right with God. And he's now seated at the right hand of God, interpreting our prayers to God the Father. Hence we pray in Jesus' name. Imagine the role of the ancient priest, though, for a moment. How many countless sacrifices would it take to make humanity right with God to accomplish what Jesus would one day do on the cross? And the last gift, myrrh, is truly an odd birthday present for a child. Myrrh had many uses in the ancient world, but primarily it was used in three ways. It was used as an antiseptic for open wounds or a painkiller for those wounds. And it was also used as an embalming substance for the dead. Giving your child, giving a child the gift of myrrh is almost like presenting the kid with a cemetery deed, you know. Uh, and it seems like it almost has to be creepy on some level. Here, Billy, I hope you enjoy the casket I brought for you. You know, right? Um, in this sense, the gift of myrrh foreshadows Christ's role as the suffering servant from Isaiah 53, the Lamb of God. It portends the cross. What were the Magi expecting? The Jews certainly weren't expecting their Messiah to be born in poverty among farm animals. Um, they didn't expect him to be the friend of prostitutes and lepers, the immoral, outcast, and overlooked, to call disciples from among the uneducated fishermen and despised tax collectors. They surely didn't expect a king who would submit to a trial for a crime he didn't commit much less the mockery and shameful punishment that followed. In closing, beyond the gifts, the story shows three distinct ways that people then, as they do now, responded to King Jesus. The Herod response. 
Herod was interested in protecting his own authority, his own rights. He opposed Jesus, wasn't willing to surrender or worship anyone. He even tried to kill Jesus. I think this personality lives on in the, hey, I'm not giving up my rights. I'm not surrendering my rights to some Jesus, folks, today. The priest's response, he simply dismissed him. Imagine this for a minute. You know, Bethlehem lies less than six miles from Jerusalem. Men show up and ask where the Messiah is to be born. Your Messiah, not theirs. And you know the answer to this. Wouldn't you want to go with them? Wouldn't you at least check it out the following day? The Bible doesn't record any of them ever showing up. They seem to be the, I just don't have time for this Jesus kind of personality. And lastly, there are the Magi who bowed down in worship. They endured a 700-mile journey and, like many today, opened their hearts to God. So, if there are any here among us today or out there listening on the radio or on, on the internet, if you struggle to connect with the baby in the manger, how about this? How about the king who came for his people that just couldn't get it together? The person who knows your fears and struggles as intimately as you do. The friend who accepts you warts and all. The one who never gives up on you is committed to restoring you in every way. The God who would take on flesh to become intimate with his people and do the one thing he could not do from heaven, die in your place. So now, as we go from here, may you be filled with the wonder of Mary, the obedience of Joseph, the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the Magi, and the peace of the Christ child. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.